We are loved unconditionally, not because we've done something to earn it, not because there is anything other than the fact that Jesus loves you that much and has done the unthinkable in giving his life for you and for me, that no matter what we're facing, we have a love like that that is already ours. We need to embrace it. We need to live in it. We need to share it. It is an unconditional, even though we try, an unexplainable love. What have we done to deserve a love like that? Absolutely nothing. And yet we're loved like that. It sounds too good to be true. But it's still true. We are loved that much. I don't know if any of you came in this morning with any kind of a problem. Maybe a couple of you did. Or if you've had any problems in the last few days or weeks or months. Probably. When we have problems, it helps to talk those out. We looked at that in our series on God cares about our mental and emotional health, that we need to be willing to ask for help. I read this week about a, a, a guy who was going through a, a struggle, seemed somewhat irrational struggle, but it was a struggle for him anyway. So he went to see a psychiatrist and he said, I've got problems. Every time I go to bed, I think that there's somebody under my bed. And he said, I'm scared. I, I, I think I'm going crazy. I can't sleep. I keep checking under the bed. It's just that fear will not go away. The psychiatrist said, put yourself in my hands for one year. Come and talk to me three times a week and we ought to be able to get rid of those fears. Seems like a bit of overkill to me. And the guy, a man after my own heart said, well, how much do you charge? The doctor said each visit's $300. The man said, well, I'll sleep on it. <laughs> Six months later, the doctor saw the man and said, why didn't you ever come to see me about those fears you were having of somebody being under the bed? And he said, well, doc, 300 bucks a visit three times a week for a year is an awful lot of money. And a friend of mine at work cured me for nothing. I was so happy to have saved all that money that I went and bought myself a new pickup. The doc said, really? Well, just exactly how did your friend help you and cure you? So my friend told me, just cut the legs off the bed. <laughs> Some of our problems can be solved easily. Some not so much. Some of our problems we've already been given the answer to. We just haven't tapped into it. The disciples were facing one of those situations. If you have your Bibles in the New Testament, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. We're looking at some verses in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Last week we talked about the fact that grace times 2, grace in salvation, grace in sanctification... And this morning, we're simply looking at the impact of that. 
asking these two questions, what was that and what is this? The that that I'm speaking of is what happened on what we call the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 and 2, where the Spirit filled the disciples, 120 in this room, and the evidence was incredible. And it is still impacting us today. That was that. But what is this? Us, now, here, this church, the church in general and worldwide. And how do they compare to one another? I invite you to follow along with me in the scripture. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, reading verses 4 and 5 from chapter 1. And it says, and while they... um, While he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then turn to chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Corinthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, and a a few other places. (laughs) Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and, and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, (laughs) they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah and all who are dwelling in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's just the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then, we're taking a look at chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And verse 47. 
They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Jesus said, verse 5, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Have you ever thought about how many days it was? It was 10 days. Now, one thing I've discovered is a lot of us have different definitions for the same words. I have people say, hey, I'll be there in a couple of minutes. Their definition of couple and mine are often very different. Or I'll be there in a few. Their definition of a few and mine is not always the same. I don't know about you, but 10 days does not seem like not very many to me. 10 days seems like a pretty long time to be waiting. Can you imagine that? I mean, they were together. Not long from now, this is going to happen. So they kept coming together on day one and day two and day three and day four. And they said, now, what did he say? Not many. Well, it's got to be today. Day five and day six and day seven and eight and nine, day 10. And then it happened. But 10 days. Now to wait for something that impacts eternity, that's not much. And yet so often we miss what God wants to do in us because we get in such a hurry. Now I, I, I say that with great caution because what I see in the church is not people hurrying to do what God wants, but not doing what God wants. So I'm a little cautious to say 10 days is, you know, we, we ought to learn to wait better because I'm thinking we're waiting ourselves to death right now. We need to act on what we already know. However, imagine that. Ten days. And then when it happened, it happened in ways they couldn't have imagined. I mean, you get the picture. The sound of the rushing wind was so strong that everybody in the city noticed it. They came to where the disciples were. What is that noise? Ever had that in your house? What is that? And you start moving around the house to find out what is that noise. And sometimes you have to move outside to find out what is that noise. The whole city came together. And then these guys had what appeared to be tongues or halos, some sort of fire above their head, but they couldn't see their own. Have you thought about that? They could only see the one on the other guy's head. I wonder who was the first one that finally said, dude, you got fire on your head. Our family plays a lot of games and different card things. And sometimes a couple of the games we play, you hold the card you have up on your forehead facing out so everybody else can see it, but you can't. And then you have to play without knowing what you have. But I know what you have. And I have to base what I do off what I see of yours and hope I have of mine. That's kind of what they were doing. Well, I can see yours, but I don't know what I have. I think we do that a lot with the Holy Spirit. Just by word of warning, not a chance we're finishing this message this morning, just so you know. But stay here anyway. Not many days. <laughs> This 
movement has never been repeated that I'm aware of. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not based upon tongues of fire and speaking in other languages, though that might happen. But the filling and the power from the Holy Spirit is guaranteed if we ask and receive, as we looked at last week. The question is, what was that? Let's take a look at what was going on then so that we can understand what could happen now. The that that was going on then was an inward and an outward transformation. Read chapter 2, verse 12 through the end of the chapter. It is incredible. They were transformed. They were speaking in languages they didn't know, and they were known to those they were speaking to. They had never been trained in that, but got it. It was a supernatural thing that took place. They were noticed by the whole community, not just the sound of the rushing wind, but these guys looked different. Now, I don't know how long the fire was on their head. I mean, that looked different, obviously. Some of you would have had things singe, or the rest of us would have been okay with that because there's nothing left to singe. Think about that, you'll understand. But people were attracted to that. There was an inward transformation that took place first that resulted in an outward transformation that impacted their community. Secondly, the that was that they were living noticeably different. Their living was different. How they treated one another. Chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 shows it was different. They were being generous more than normal. They were being generous to all kinds of people. They were helping one another. They were praying together. They were sharing what was there as the need arose. They were reaching out beyond themselves and beyond those who looked like them. Because the city was filled with people from everywhere we already read. And they didn't care. They just reached out. They were living noticeably different in their speech, in their actions, in their attitude. Let me repeat that one. In their attitude, in compassion, in generosity, in prayer, in worship. And as we looked at a couple of weeks ago in community, living life together. The that that was going on, what that was a group who were recognized by the power in their lives. People realized something's going on. Not just the sound, not just the fire, not just the language, but something's going on in their life. They have a power they did not have before this moment. If we're following Jesus Christ, people ought to go, there's something going on. It's different than I see everywhere else. What is that? I've not always gotten it right. But I've sure tried to live that way. And one of the times it was noticed, I was coaching basketball in Indiana. And if you've ever had your salvation put to the test, that's a time for it to happen. And it had a couple of incidents, one with a parent that everybody saw because the parent decided not to do this one-on-one, -on -one, but in front of everyone. A friend of mine came to game a week or so later, and they asked him why he was there. and said, well, Denny's a friend of mine. He's serving on staff here at the church with me. 
just wanted to come and encourage and support him. And they go, ah, that explains it. He goes, explains what? They gave him a recap of the incident that had just happened. And they said, when we got home that night from watching our grandson, we couldn't stop talking about that. And his reaction and lack of retaliation to the situation. So we kept going, why did he act that way? They go, now we get it. See, we ought to be living noticeably different with a power in our lives that is not our own. The that that was going on then, that was a group who were outward focused while still caring for each other. Those are not mutually exclusive. Too often in the church, we get caught in this trap. Do we care for each other or do we care for those out there? Yes. To both. That's what we've been called to. That's what they did. They reached out while caring for those who were already around them. The one another. As well as trying to grow that group of one another. That was what Jesus commanded them. Chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 in Acts tells them that. Start where you are in Jerusalem. Then move outside to Judea, the surrounding area. Then to Samaria, those areas that aren't quite like you. And then to the whole world. It's so awesome to be a part of a denomination that is doing that. But I can't just sit back and throw a couple bucks in the plate and say, I'm done. I've been called to reach my community. And wherever it is God asked me to go, in whatever way he asked me to go. One of the neatest things that has happened that we're able to do in the church is broadcast services. You can complain about that all you want, but it's reaching people that otherwise wouldn't even hear. We have people regularly watching in states far away that have never attended here, but they tune in every Sunday. Some of them give. Some of them communicate and tell what's going on in their lives. That's part of our reaching out, but we can't just depend on that either. One of the greatest things you can do in reaching out is walk across the street or next door or across the aisle. Or actually move from this section of the sanctuary to this section. <laughs> I know it's radical. <laughs> We've been called to care for each other. While still looking outside. And all around us. That's what was going on then. And what was going on then can only be described as earth shaking. Literally and figuratively. Literally, people heard the sound. The place shook. And they went, what was that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Somebody driving by on a Sunday morning goes, what is going on in there? Instead of, I wonder what they're doing. But that they knew something was different. There are stories documented of the revival that took place in New England many, many years ago and that ships that were sailing within a few miles of the shore where the revival was taking place, the people on those ships fell under conviction, fell on their knees and repented of their sins with nobody preaching. It was just the power of the Spirit just exuding out of them. What if people driving by out here that happened? Because we were so filled with his spirit and his power. That was that. 
The apostle Peter, when he answered the critics in verse 16, he said, this is what, or this is that, that was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he went on and quoted from Joel, you know, in the last days, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, etc." He's saying, this was predicted and now it's happening. That was that. But what's this? What's happening today? The first thing I want to tell you is the most encouraging thing. And that is the that then is still possible. This could be that. Here's why. I've read the scriptures over and over And God has not changed. As my dad said, God is still God. Which means the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit has not changed. We have. And how we tap into it. And how we obey it. And how we share it. And how we show it is what's changed. That could be this. If we're willing. This. That we are living in today. If we're going to become that. We must become united. United in spirit. United in purpose. And united in service. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. Is a clear picture of it. We've got to be united and we have never been more divided in the history of the world and the church. We can't be that way. We don't have to agree on everything. Ask those that stood that have been married for over 50 years if they've agreed on everything and they'll fall down laughing. No. I had a cousin one time who said, my wife and I have never had a fight. And I said, you need to fall down and repent right now. Not possible. But we need to become united in spirit, the Holy Spirit. We need to become united in purpose, His purpose, not our desires. We need to become united in service with one another. For this to become what that was, this must repent. Of our division and our apathy. I got, I was, I'm in the process of rereading a book called Something Must Change by David Platt. The book's got some pages that look funny because the first time I read it, I was crying while I read it and it started again because he just keeps asking. What's it going to take? And one of the things he asked in the first few pages was, when was the last time you wept for those who don't know Jesus? Wow. How much are we burdened and bothered by people who, if they died today, would go to hell instead of heaven? Something's got to change. We must repent of our 
divisiveness and come together. And we've got to repent of our apathy. Where we're not really concerned whether they show up or not. Where we're not really concerned whether they know Jesus or not. And for this to become that, this must become on fire once again. I'm not expecting to have a crown of fire on my head. It would hurt. But I am expecting and pleading for the fire to really be in me and well up in me. That's still possible. Because this could become that. Because God is still God. His call is still the same. His Holy Spirit is still willing and ready to fill any vessel that presents itself willingly. For this to become that, this must become on fire once again. Which means this must become outward focused. Not how did we do it before, but how should we do it? Not what was it then, but what should it be? We need to never, ever change or compromise the message, but we better keep changing the methods. Because I don't know if you're aware of it, but some things are not the same today as they were 50 years ago. Those of you who have been married more than 50 years, you're not driving the same car, probably. You might have one from that year stored in a barn, but you're not driving it every day. Things are different. And we need to change some methods. We need to rearrange some things to be able to reach those around us, including leaving the building to cross the street. This meaning us must become outward focused again. It's what drove this individual church Officially started in 1941, tried to start in 1925, didn't quite make it. Started again in the 30s, didn't quite make it. Finally started again in the 40s and it took hold. And they did a whole lot of changing in those early years to reach their community. The message never changed. The methods did. And we have to realize that this, to become that, must start now. September 4th, 2022. We've got to start sometime. Why not now? See, Jesus said, in not very many days, 10 days, but our problem is we keep making plans for the future instead of saying, okay, Lord, what about right now? In my office, I've got some cabinets filled with notebooks of seminars I've gone to. I've got notebooks, but not much changed. I'm tired of that. Something's got to change. The first question is, do you recognize that, what we read in Acts? Most of us don't. What do you need to repent of? Are you willing to be transformed so that this can be what was that? That this could become what God called us and created us to do and to be? Maybe the biggest question. What are you willing to do right 
now. Not, you know, I'm going to think about that. We need to think. That's a positive thing. You become a follower of Christ. You don't check your brain at the door. But I'm kind of with Steve Shogren. I really think he wrote something a long time ago, said, ready, fire, aim. I bought the book just because I loved the title. Now, we need to aim. We shouldn't just go off half-cocked. But frankly, I think it's time to put the foot on the gas, drop it in gear, whatever analogy you want to use. I think some of us have been revving the engine for years. So drop it and drive and go. Let me finish with this. My grandpa Naylor was a farmer, worked at a grain elevator, was a treasurer at his little Nazarene church in Modoc, Indiana for 50 plus years. Grandpa was not educated by educational standards, but he read his Bible all the time. It was always in that table right by his chair, and it was well-worn. And he was always digging and researching. I told the guys Wednesday night, I remember my grandpa being in his mid-80s and asking my dad, what do you think this scripture means? I remember as a kid going, Grandpa, you've been reading this for how many years? You haven't figured it out yet? I came to realize God was still working in him. And man, how awesome and exciting is that? He's not done with you. If you're still fogging a mirror, he's not done with you. But my grandpa also, surprisingly was a driver who did not hesitate. I found that out by spending a night at my aunt and uncle's who lived across the street one time. No central air in the house, windows were open, it was in the summer, and my uncle said before I went to bed, just know you're going to get awakened about 5.30 in the morning by your grandpa. I go, why would he come over here and wake me up? He goes, just trust me, your grandpa's going to wake you up about 5.30 in the morning. Sure enough, I'm sleeping soundly. And I was startled awake. You can ask my wife. I, I startle when I get woken up like that. Nobody was in the room, but I heard a car across the street with the engine floored. What is going on? I stumbled to the window, looked out just in time to see and to hear Grandpa, drop it into drive without letting the foot off the gas and take off from the curb. I asked my mom about that. She goes, oh, he's always driven that way. She said, as a kid, we knew when he said it's time to go, we had to get in the car. And she said, Grandma sometimes had to become well-versed at closing the door while the car is moving. Because once her seat hit the seat, Grandpa dropped it in drive. You know, when I was studying this week, I said, okay, Lord, I want to be more like Grandpa. I'm tired of revving the engine. It's time to drop it and drive. You go, that's not dangerous. That could be dangerous. So is just living, period. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but the statistics are 100% we die. And until that day comes, I want to be serving him. And I don't want to be sitting on the side idling the engine. 
It's time for us to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit by saying yes to him and whatever he's called us to do, repent of whatever we need to repent of, be filled to the way he wants to fill us, and then do what he's called us to do. I guess the question is, who's with me? Because something has to change. Let's stand. This morning, not playing any music, not going to make it easy because following Christ isn't always easy. But if this is a day that you might recognize some stuff and just say, you know what? I don't know where we're going, but I'm ready to stop idling. I don't know for sure what God has in mind, but I'm tired of just sitting still. No matter your age, condition, education, or position. If this is the day you go, okay, Lord, you do it. Put it in drive. I'm tired of idling because something has to change. If that's where you are this morning and you're making that commitment, I just invite you without worrying about what anybody else is doing to just come forward. Just come and stand up here this morning. And let's just have a prayer of commitment if that's where you are this morning saying something's got to change and I'm ready for it to start in me. Just come before we close. Somebody says, well, what's the program? I have no idea. It's not my program anyway, it's his. Well, what's the next step? Just what you're doing right now. You know what I've discovered is when I say yes, he always shows up. That when I say yes, he always says, here's the next step. And I heard somebody say this a time or two. All we have to do is take the next right step. That's all he's asking us to do. That's what the disciples did. They had tongues of fire in their head. What do you do? Step outside and tell people about it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but let me tell you what happened to me. And a city and a world was changed. I don't know about you, but I'd like that to be this. Jesus, thank you for your call still being on our life. Thank you for this group of people <laughs> tolerating my ramblings this morning and the length of the message. Father, thank you for showing us the way with those who have gone before us. Thank you for the outline you've given us to start where we are and then go from there as you lead. Lord, thank you for forgiving our disunity and apathy. Lord, may we be open to repenting of whatever you're showing us right now. And then, Father, may we be willing to pick up whatever you're handing us to go from here, empowered and powered by the Holy Spirit to see things we've never seen while you do things we've never seen. So, Lord, I pray a special blessing and touch upon these that have come forward. Maybe with fear and trepidation. Lord, I pray that you would not necessarily ease the fear, but you would show them the way. 
empower them to move past those fears to wherever and whatever you have for them. Guide us as we go from here today to reach those outside our circle while we also care for those right beside us. May we be empowered to reach some who have drifted away and love them back in. Lord, help us to never be satisfied with just what is, but instead let you keep making what could be. Lord, I pray that our number would multiply as we pray this, that our number would multiply as we in love reach beyond these walls, that our number would multiply as we care for one another while reaching for those who don't yet know you. Thank you for what you are about to do in us, through us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. And everyone said, Amen.